So when you read words like, the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge and because he is a messenger of the Lord Almighty and people seek instruction from his mouth, you think, ooh, a bit of pressure being up here tonight. Uh, not, not that I claim to be a priest of any kind, but only in terms of uh, the priesthood of all, all believers. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, these are quite harsh warnings that we're, we're faced with as we look into uh, Malachi this week. Uh, and so, yes, this part of Malachi's prophecy does focus on the priests, but that doesn't mean to say there isn't something that we can all take from it. Um, If you look at the book of Malachi, we'll be doing that over the next few weeks as well as having looked at it previously, uh, you'll notice that a lot of the form of the book of this prophecy takes a number of questions. So God will make a statement and the people will say, well, what does that mean? Why why are you thinking that we're not doing this or whatever? So there's a lot of questions uh, from the people. Uh, Perhaps also those are the questions of the priests as well, because clearly from this passage we're seeing that the priests are failing in their duty. And so these people ask the questions and then God provides a clear answer uh, of what it is uh, that they need to be doing that they haven't been doing. God's responses are there, I think, to correct the mindset of the people who've let their uh, faith drift. So yes, they, they may be a people who've been brought out of exile, Uh, But nonetheless, um, they've started to go their own merry way and they're not really paying an awful lot of regard to God. So I think one or two of their questions might have some genuine inquiry about them as to what it is that God expects. But I think more of these questions are not uh, in the form of sort of protestation. Oh, surely we haven't been guilty of this, Lord. It's not our fault. You know, there's nothing much to do with us. Uh, and they're kind of stepping away from their responsibility uh, before God. But actually, as we look at this part of chapter 2, and indeed as we go on to the next part, there aren't any of these questions there. No questions from the people uh, are stated. And in the part we're going to be looking at next time, God has some questions of his own. But as we've seen from today's reading, God is using his messenger, uh, and Malachi is a word that means my messenger. So um, uh, certainly academics are not sure whether there was a person, Malachi, that had that name, uh, or whether the prophet is simply known as God's messenger. Uh, But whether Malachi is attributed name or not, God is using him, and he's using him to give a very stern warning to the priests. So at this point, there are no questions for debate. At this point, they're just statements for the priests to take hold of. And it's a clear warning because by not taking hold of these warnings, really it's, it's made known that they'll be swept away into destruction. Now for us, we can read a passage like this one and be a bit dismissive of it and say, well, that's all about Old Testament times and we live with all the benefits of the New Testament. And these are priests of an old covenant. We don't need these priests anymore. So we follow a risen saviour who's our priest. We don't have to worry about such passages as this. But what we need to remember is that 
we serve the same God of the Old Testament that we serve in the New Testament. And actually, we're the same humanity who can start off being very inspired by the divine, but actually can just as easily fall short through running out of steam, losing focus, finding other preoccupations. Last week we looked at a nation that had been brought back out of exile. So after being taken into slavery, and while they were in slavery, perhaps reflecting back on some of those prophecies that had come before, that had shown them very clearly that because of their own unfaithfulness to God, he allowed them to be handed over into exile. They had all that history, they had all that suffering, and yet it doesn't take long before they're no longer showing any gratitude to, to the God that helped them find their release, gave them the opportunity to re- rebuild everything. Whatever gratitude they had at first at being released was soon gone. So those are people who should have been delighted by God because things had been restored. They were part of restoring them. It should have been a time of celebration. It should be a time of thanking God that they could have their own land again. That they could rebuild a nation that had been scattered and broken up. But clearly we looked at last week at the the state of their offerings, what they were offering back to God was the worst of what they had, not the best. And then when it came to the priests who were overseeing all of this, then it was made known that their sacrifices were contemptible. Sacrifice was there to show how people would have trust in God's provision. By giving of the best and not missing it because God would provide, there would be plenty that was good that would still be remaining. And yet here we see the Israelites giving the very worst of their livestock. Animals which were of low value, animals that were troublesome to keep, they were blind, they were lame, they were disfigured, they were diseased. Perhaps they could go for the sacrifice, that would be fine. There's a purpose to them then. They can be sacrificed. God won't mind. And last week we heard very much that God did mind. Not because of the animals themselves, but because of their attitude towards God in their hearts. So where were the priests in all of this? Well, they were very happy just to carry out the process that was required the sacrifice but clearly from this rebuke their hearts weren't in it they didn't acknowledge their relationship with God they didn't appreciate their relationship with God and yet that sacrifice that they oversaw was intended to represent just that an acknowledgement of the greatness of God an appreciation of all that he had done for them So clearly in chapter 2, we just get that message. 
if you're looking to blame somebody here, let's blame the priests. Because basically they just carried on regardless. And they continued to bestow their blessings on the people who brought these sacrifices. They wanted to keep in with the people that, whose uh, tithes were helping feed them, and clothe them and give them somewhere to live. But they didn't honour God. Their focus was one way, to the people that were looking after them. They didn't see that primarily God was looking after them. And they were there to serve him. So if we go back to the beginning of the Old Testament, it started off that people made their own individual sacrifices to God to cover their sins and and cover their family. It was when God established the twelve tribes from Jacob's descendants that he gave 11 of those tribes land in which to live. But when the Levites were chosen, they weren't chosen to have their own land. They were chosen to live amongst the other tribes. And because it wasn't their land as such, though they were given cities in which to live, the intention there was that they were more reliant on the God whom they served. They lived, as I mentioned briefly there, from the ties from those other tribes. And God ordains it that whatever isn't burnt is, is theirs uh, to eat and live by. But primarily the Levites were chosen because they had a role that was be, to be close to God. And as you go back through the Old Testament, it was their job to carry the Ark of the Covenants. It was their job to perform the rituals. It was they who communicated God's blessings. And when selected for some of the Levites, it was their job to enter the Holy of Holies. It was also their job to keep everybody else out. So although Israel was a nation set apart, within that nation, the Levites were also further set apart so you could say that God had chosen one tribe to be that much closer to him than all the others and giving them perhaps the opportunity to live lives that were different with a greater focus on study a greater focus on serving God something really special different but still the same because even even though God did that uh, amongst the tribes of Israel if you go back to Exodus in chapter 19 and verse 6 it shows that the whole kingdom was to be a kingdom of priests a holy nation so the Levites being chosen weren't a sort of sign that God will concentrate on them and the rest can just get on with life they were still part of that holy nation But as God was going to communicate to his nation, yes, by leaders, yes, by prophets, but also on the day-to-day through that ministry from the Levites. But what we see here in the book of Malachi is that the idea of honouring God seems to have fallen right by the wayside. Times, as I've suggested, were perhaps getting a bit more comfortable. 
And so actually that sort of throwing yourself to the ground and saying, Lord, please help us in this situation, that had gone a bit really. So God's warning really says that, yeah, you may not be worried about the other nations now, but actually I've got the ability to break you up as a nation again and scatter you. And actually when I scatter the priests, it'll be with dung on their faces and entrails from the sacrifices. Pretty disgusting image really. Um, But clearly one that's dishonouring. But it's an image because God feels so dishonoured by the way that the Levites have treated him. Now, I grew up, I know, I know some people here did as well, grew up in Church of England. Uh, and if you go to a Church of England church or a Catholic church, there will be an altar area of some kind. And I would say that if you look around a church, it's the one area that you can expect to be absolutely pristine and have a sense around it of it being somehow set apart. So I would say to some extent that reflects the holy of holies of the temple. But actually when we think about the day-to-day use of the temple and the priestly duties uh, of the Levites, they were overseeing some pretty rough and ready sacrificing. Um, It was probably more akin to a slaughterhouse than it was to a Church of England altar. So sacrifices in themselves were not really hygienic. They were not pleasant tasks. But while God in the Old Testament requires those sacrifices, what he also does is provide plenty of instruction as to how that should be carried out. Not just so that it honours God, but also so that it's uh, safe. There are laws of cleanliness. Basically, he's not using sacrifice to be a difficulty to his people. And Levites then should know how to go about things properly. So I think a warning about dung is not one that's going to surprise Levites as much as it would surprise us. Because they were there dealing with those sort of entrails and different parts of of what came along uh, with having loads of animals brought to you for sacrifice. But nonetheless, nonetheless, the dishonour is clear there, isn't it? The dishonour to those Levites. But it was still their job, as well as to perform these tasks, to keep a purity uh, around um, God's place of worship, whether that was a tent of the covenant or later the temple. And how they kept that purity is sort of set out in various parts of um, the Pentateuch, particularly Numbers 18 gives uh, quite a lot of guidance but actually if you look through lots of Leviticus if you want a lot of reading there's plenty of rules and regulations there that that help clarify how things should be done but here we are after exile with the opportunity of a new Israel and in doing Uh, in in making that new Israel these priests felt that they could carry out the offices of their role without any particular reliance on God any particular respect for God's might 
Perhaps for them it becomes something of a way of just keeping society in order, the way we do things, the way, the way life works, rather than a means of getting people to focus on how they could be faithful to a God who had shown faithfulness to them. It's a grim part of the prophecy because of the warning. But in contrast, what we do see is Levi's own relationship with God being described. Now Levi, as one of Joseph's brothers, had hardly had an impeccable track record. Uh, After all, he was part of that conspiracy to rid the family of their annoying brother and also to deceive their father. And even in Jacob's deathbed blessing, The focus was really on the infighting that there was between Levi and Simeon. There wasn't much in there about any kind of revelation on how Levi would go on to serve God. So that's a bit of the background of Levi that we know about. But here God draws attention to Levi's attributes. He makes a covenant of life and peace with Levi. Life and peace. He's kind of holding that before Malachi's Israelites and sort of saying, here we go, this is what life should have been like. A life and a peace that come through me. And Levi's response was to accept that in reverence. And because of Levi's reverence and awe of God, he was able to understand God a bit better. And with that understanding, he was able to transfer that into a life that's described in this passage as being upright, a life that was able to show others the way to live before God by turning them away from sin. Through that understanding, he was able to speak the truth and he was able to teach others. So in applying Levi's approach to ourselves, it's clear that The force of this application really is directed to those of us in leadership in the church, taking on a responsibility to teach the truth of God's word faithfully and to live out that teaching. But nonetheless, it applies to all of us as God's followers because just as at the start, all people brought their own sacrifices, so we today uh, are named as a royal priesthood And that's shown in 1 Peter and chapter 2 and verse 9, which says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Very much echoing the first part of that, of what it says in Exodus about the Israelites. But the other part is is about listening to God. Because I think the other things don't happen if we don't take time to listen to God. And in the apparent, apparent busyness of our lives, in the midst of the noise all around us, certainly for me, and perhaps you, that, that's a real challenge. Prayer time in itself can be quite challenging to prioritise. 
I'm certainly making a focus of that in church at the moment so that we can um, build ourselves up in prayer. But I also find it, I don't know if you do, a real challenge to make time to listen uh, and not just to speak in our prayer times. Perhaps you're like me and the mind sort of wanders off to something else and while sometimes that can be quite good and you think, oh, I'd like to pray about that. Well, perhaps some of that mind wandering off is God sort of directing us in, in some way. But sometimes I do think I've lost time when I thought I was going to be praying and I'm more sort of going into reverie really uh, and it is a challenge we want to hear God speak at our church at the moment we're looking to hear from God whether Stephen is the right person to be our pastor we're looking as I mentioned on that refocus on prayer because it's only through prayer that we'll know what God really wants of us and we're also looking at how we can focus more on sharing the message of Jesus through our own testimony and our own lifestyle. Those things would accord very much with what Levi was being praised for in the passage that we've read tonight. So we need to kind of raise ourselves to, to see where Levi was successful. As I say, he didn't start from a particularly successful position uh, as one of Jacob's sons, but that's what God accredits to him. And so for us, we, we need to look at those things that, that are right because they're what God wants of us. Uh, and if we truly focus on them, I believe that God will bless us through them. There may be other areas that God's burdened you with, not just the ones that I've mentioned that are focused for the church at the moment. Uh, and you might be seeking his blessing in those, those areas of service. Well, it says in Scripture that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's Romans 8 and verse 28. Uh, and I believe it's important for us to think about how God has called us for the different service, different duties, different ways of meeting and, and sharing with people that he's given us. I think those are the important things uh, to take from the contrast in this passage serving God well as Levi did and not failing God as the priest did because Malachi I think is a book about broken promises contrasted with a faithful God who is known by his promises and covenants sometimes we still find ourselves breaking our promises to him I'm going to stop doing that Lord I'm going to do that differently I'm going to do that better I'm going to spend more time on that and yet we don't and sometimes we use those things as a way of putting a bit of a distance between ourselves and God. Perhaps we're trying to keep away from the, the heat of, of what we think is it, God will be putting on us uh, for showing that we've failed. But actually if we do try and put some distance in, then what we tend to do is, is open ourselves to the Israelites' approach of, of giving some disregard to God, even some contempt to the power of God in our lives. And we could be left in the same sort of bewildered state as the Israelites in the time of Malachi, asking all sorts of questions to say, well, surely it's not our fault, Lord. Surely we're doing okay. But in contrast, if we do draw close, if we confess our sins, if we seek to restore where we have failed by honouring God, then he in turn honours our contrite hearts. 
So again, that's been seen in the praise of Levi, once an errant son of Jacob, but turned to lead that priestly tribe, getting to know God's ways and imparting them to others. Let's pray that we can do that. And that as we sing a song like, I give you all the honour, that actually we take time to notice when we're giving honour to God in our lives.